What's up, peeps? On this episode, I talked to someone who has had an immense impact on my life since I met him back in 2009. When I first met him, I was 17, and I didn't have much direction, had very little self-confidence, and I didn't really understand the importance of setting goals. Kevin Seaman has been a coach and a mentor to me in many different ways, both in and out of the ring. I really credit him for my love of coaching and teaching, and I consider myself extremely lucky to have such a cool and interesting friend like Sifu Kevin. He's had an extensive career in martial arts and has written many books, and you could tell his age has not slowed him down one bit. Getting a chance to have his history recorded and getting a chance to talk to him was a great pleasure. He has such a unique and interesting story from being a chef in California to moving all the way to New York. I love this dude very much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> All right, boom. We're recording now. I think the audio is going to be okay, but I guess if it doesn't work, the worst that happens is we had a good conversation. That's right. So, you have a black belt in how many martial arts? Because I forget. Well, um, seven different... Seven. Seven different systems. Yes. And I have a um, black belt level. Well, actually, they don't give a black belt in Jeet Kune Do, but I have it in two different, uh, under two different instructors. Oh, okay. Dan Inosanto, who was Bruce Lee's protege, and I've trained with him for the last 36 years. Wow. And then Tim Tackett, who is probably one of the most well-known Jeet Kune Do instructors uh, right now in the world. Yeah. Yes. That is cool. And what made you want to start doing it? Martial arts? Yeah. Well, um, towards the end of this year, it'll be 50 years. 50? Wow. Yeah. Holy. So that means you started what when you were... When I was... 16. Wow, that's cool. Yes. So um, I went to a few different schools, and when my parents moved uh, uh, the family up to a, a different location, um, I was in a small town, and I was a new kid. I was a city kid from Los Angeles, and so I was a target immediately. Uh-huh. Um, I was one of the few kids that hadn't grown up there. And so I got bullied a lot. Uh-huh. I got, I got um, my butt handed to me several times, which was a real eye opener, because I wasn't a violent person. I wasn't an obnoxious person. I was kind of shy. And so when that happened, you know, uh, it was shocking to me. Yeah. And I got to the point where um, finally one day I just, I just fought back. Oh wow. Yeah. Like you had no training to that. I had no point, training. Right? Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, we were in uh, the bathroom, and I was there with my friend at a school dance in high school. And uh, there was another kid who we knew had um, had some type of childhood uh, cancer. Oh. And so, um, you know, he was really sickly, and um, my friend left. And these two guys came in, and they started picking on the kid. And I'm just, you know, doing my business. And um, 
I go, hey man, leave him alone. Kids had enough. And the guy said, will you say to me? And of course, that's when it started. It's like out of a movie. It was it was really um, surrealistic, you know. And the guy came over and pushed me, and he punched me, and I picked him up and I threw him in the urinal, <laughs> and it broke the urinal <laughs> off of the off oh the my, wall. Oh my god! And it caught him and it broke his arm. Wow! And um, water was going everywhere. I was freaking out. I started to walk out the door to get help, and these guys pushed me back in. Well, the other kid went. There were two guys, uh, and they went out and got their buddies. And they came in, they beat the crap out of me. And afterwards, they kind of left me alone a little bit because, you know, I broke the kid's arm. He came to school and he had one of those bars, you know, in a cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And so they kind of left me alone. On a urinal. Yeah, on a urinal, yeah. Uh, Well, the worst part was we both had to pay for the urinal. (laughs) And we had to do work and detention. So I had to see this this kid all the time, Uh, which was horrible. Um, But... Yeah, that was the first, uh, my beginning of where I started getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, and um, I never started to fight in my life, Corey. Not once. I have, well, except in the ring. Yeah. I've initiated. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never started to fight in my life. Um, I'm just, that's not my character. Uh, but I got to the point where I wasn't going to let anybody ever do this to me again. Yeah. And so I started looking into uh, training and boxing. My grandfather was my first boxing coach. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, my grandfather was a boxing instructor in the army, and he also did bare knuckle boxing to make a living back in the during the depression days. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, definitely it was a thing. Because I know it's like it's catching on now too. Like there's a bunch was, of bare bare knuckle boxing. It was events. a thing. In fact, I showed him when he was in his eighties. I showed him uh, um, the the movie Hard Times with uh, Charles Bronson. He goes, "I did that, but it wasn't glamorous like that." Right. And I never understood. As a kid, he'd say, yeah, we took our socks off, and we'd wrap them around our hand, and I'm like, what? Why would you take your socks off? Yeah. You know, I had so no you didn't idea. cut your knuckles? So he didn't cut his hand, yeah. Ah, right. <laughs> they put their shoes back on, you yeah, know? Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, he, he grew up with, uh, in Indian Territory. Whoa. Oklahoma, before it was Oklahoma. Wow. And his dad was the sheriff of the area, and they were from Russia. So he was a big Russian dude, and my grandfather was the, the kind of guy you want as a grandfather. He taught me how to hunt, trap, fish, shoot, fight, yeah. swear, drink. It's cool as a boxing But um, yeah, the funny part about the boxing thing was um, my mom comes home, and, and uh, we were, first we, were, we, we just wrapped uh, like um, washcloths around our hands you know and he's a giant man and I'm yeah. just like this, this kid you know I was skinny and uh, he goes keep your hand up you know do this I want you to move move your head like that keep moving and he hit me in the face and my nose started bleeding and my mom was horrified and that was your grandfather <laughs> my grandfather yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The and the whole thing started um, when I came home and they were there and I, I had gotten jumped because these guys, that's the only time they ever jumped me anymore was when they had two or three guys. Yeah. And uh, I got jumped, and I got my shirt ripped, and I had a black eye, sort of. And uh, I was all dirty, and I, I came in, I go, hey, hey, Grant. And I ran upstairs, he goes, whoa, whoa, where are you going? Come back down here. And I'm like, uh, okay. He goes, 
what happened? Who did that to you? And I said, nobody. He goes, I ask you a question, boy. Who did that to you? <laughs> That's so scary. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I was terrified of my grandfather because he was just, just this big guy. Yeah. And as a kid, I remember him driving me around. He was a, a sales guy for the automobile club. And he oh. would drive me around and go. we'd go fishing and go to the desert and shoot. And um, they live in a log cabin in the mountains. Yeah, in Wrightwood, California, up in the Pines. And uh, my grandmother and he, my grandmother was from Arkansas. And they're on my mom's side. And my grandfather would take me into these bars. You know, and he'd say, you don't need, my, your mother doesn't need to know about this. Oh, you know, he'd he, on the DL. He, yeah. And he'd go and he'd have a couple beers, you know, and then he'd give me some money to go play pool. Um, or if they had a pinball machine or darts. Nice. You know, and I'd go over and, entertain myself and uh, and uh, I was about 10 years old and I, the first time I ever saw my grandfather get violent uh, I'm playing pool and he's uh, taking drinking his beer and he goes I gotta go see a man about a horse <laughs> that's what he used to, that's how he used to talk you know and I knew what that meant so he went went and used the bathroom and there were some a couple of not many people in the bar but it was just a, a, a bar out in the middle of the desert yeah, you know, and uh, this drunk guy goes, comes by me, and he hits my, walks into my cue stick, and then he gets all mad at me, and Weird. he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and, and tossed me, and I just remember turning around, and my grandfather was standing there, and he hit him, and I thought he was going to take the guy's head right off. I thought the guy's head was going to bounce right off. Oh my! He God. hit him so hard. I could see the bottom of his shoes, and, he, and <laughs> he's out. Wow! And then he throws a couple bucks on the on the uh, bar, and he goes, "Sorry for the mess. Come on, come on, boy, let's go." And I it's <laughs> like a scene. Go, yeah, he goes, "Come on, Cav, let's go." Boom! And then uh, we go out, and he goes, "Did he hurt you?" I go, "No. He's just a drunk. He's a he's a jerk, Grandpa." And he goes, "Yeah. Well." Maybe you learn a lesson. Uh, and, I, and I just remember something to that effect, yeah. you know. And he, then I remember him turning to me and saying, you know, your mom doesn't need to know about this. <laughs> so this, this was the guy that, that was, was teaching you how to kick ass. Well, later. Yeah, later. later. But yeah, that was the first, yeah. that was my first instance when I saw my grandfather, how powerful and how violent he could be. Right. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. Yeah. He smashed this guy so hard, right square in the face. Was he mad when you came home? When your shirt was like torn up and yeah. bloody? Was yeah, he, he, was, he was unhappy, yeah. Really? Yeah. He wasn't like, man, what no, does the other was, guy look like? No, he was mad that... That guy... Something happened and I was trying to avoid it and I was... Ah, down. okay. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of racial tension back then. You know, yeah, when, right. You know, right. Like, so... Um, so was it boxing first that you really got into? That was the first thing he taught me, and he taught me like stuff like uh, how to. Uh, <laughs> this sounds really bad, but like how to sucker punch people, <laughs> <laughs> put your hand in their face and then hit them in the liver and then hit them in the, in the, yeah. hit them in the ear. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's funny. And I actually have a picture of him at he's like eighty four, and he's got his hand in my face. And he's punching me in the liver. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and I got both my hands up, and I'm like, what? The? That's funny. 
Yeah. That should be framed somewhere in the house. Yeah, I well, I, I should put it on Facebook actually. Uh, but yeah, he, he, I got I've got tons of memories from my grandfather. He was a really stand-up guy. He would never back down. Um, my mom tells all kinds of stories of when, and he was a deputized sheriff also. Oh wow. Um, so we had kind of a rich family history there, mm-hmm. you know. But I had a good role model there, and he taught me a little bit about how to do stuff, you know. And, and mainly, he said, just never back down. If anybody anybody gets tough with you, they're just as scared as you are. Mm-hmm. And if you you show that you're not afraid afraid of them, if you don't any show any fear, and you look them right in the eye, most of the time, they'll they'll try to figure a way to get out of it. Yeah, you know, and that's that, some good that's, old school advice, right that's there. That's really good advice. Yeah. And that helped me a lot because I found out that the guys that were picking on me and were um, bullying me were just a bunch of pussies. Yeah, and they probably had issues at home. That's why, well, a couple of them I knew they did. Oh, yeah. That they had issues. um, Where it all stems from. Of course. And then it gets passed on, you know. And Well, I can't do anything to my dad who's smacking me around, but I can do something to this punk. Yeah, right. You know. Who I don't really like anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so anyway, that's how I started martial arts. I, I just decided that nobody was ever going to do this to me again. And it all started with boxing. It started with boxing, and then I saw this thing for uh, Chinese karate. Well, first it was judo. Yeah. And I went to the judo place, and I was a skinny kid. They tossed. How me much do you think you weighed back then? Oh, like 140. All right. Yeah. And I was about the same height I am now, so yeah. I, was, I was about uh, 5'10", mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I remember those the guys were all college kids, pretty much, college age, and they'd throw me and land on me, and I was like, oh man, this this is horrible. I've only <laughs> done judo once, and it's it seems very brutal at first, but it, I, I feel like it would depend on your partner and... Well, yeah, and when you're a skinny little kid, and and then you're, you're getting and they're adults, you yeah, know, like right, yeah. yeah, they're smashing all two hundred pounds. Yeah, and I didn't know anything. I was a new guy. I was a white belt, and there were a couple of green belts and brown belts and black belts in the class, and um, and judo just wasn't for you at the time. It wasn't for me, and then I saw that they were teaching Chinese karate, mm-hmm. Chinese karate, and I was like, wow, Chinese karate. And I know what karate is, but I don't know what Chinese karate is. That sounds interesting. And then I was. I met this Chinese guy who was teaching. He was from Hong Kong. And um, I asked him, I go, well, what do they call it in Hong Kong? And he goes, we call it Goksa. I go, Goksa? You probably shouldn't call it that. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. Yeah, right. I go, what else do they call it? And he goes, Chuan Fa. I go, Chuan Fa? What does Chuan Fa mean? He He goes, like, Chinese hand or... You know, something to that effect. I was kind of hoping it was going to mean ass beater. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this guy was one of the best I'd ever seen in the martial arts at that point in time. And uh, it was, was that around the time where, like, I remember my dad was was saying when he was really young, like martial art movies were like the big thing, like they were up and coming. Like, oh no, this was before that. It was before that. Yeah, this was before that. So Kung, there wasn't Kung much Fu out there. wasn't a name. Yeah. And then later, when Dave Carradine came on the scene, and they had Kung, the movie Kung or the show Kung Fu, then that was. Mm. I remember going with my Sifu though, to we go down to Los Angeles to the uh, Chinatown, and we go in and this is so funny. He'd get a big bag of roast pork. <laughs> Just a bag. We, yeah, a bag of greasy roast <laughs> pork, and we'd go in the we'd go in the Chinese movies, and it was all subtitle, if that. 
Yeah. You know, and um, we watch these kung fu movies, okay. and and there were no, um, you know, I think this was before Five Fingers of Death or any of those Chinese movies mm -hmm. came out, you know, that were um, converted way before Bruce Lee, of course, was uh, was around. But it was so funny to go. To, I'm like, like we usually get popcorn. Not yeah. roast pork. pork. Yeah. Like they have a whole pig on a yeah. stick. That and he eating. was a big dude too. He's a big, uh, big Cantonese kid. And uh, nothing like movies. Nothing like the cinema and some pork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was the wrestling coach at the at the um, Catholic school where he went to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was still a young kid, you know. And um, uh, I think he was like a, a senior in high school or something in Catholic school. And. Uh, I remember he had a really bad temper. Yeah. And that's kind of where we broke off later on. But I was with him for about four or five years, and I learned a lot of stuff and got really strong and learned about discipline and learned to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And um, walked around, you know, uh, went back to my hometown because I wasn't in that hometown where, where I had those problems. I was in a different school because um, my parents, we moved around a lot. So mm -hmm. I was in a different school and um, went back to my hometown, sat on the wall, where everybody used to drive by and just hope that somebody would come up and you know, oh, mess right. with me. Right. But they didn't. You're like, come on, mess with me. Yeah, yeah. Mess with me. But they didn't. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of kind of an interesting time in my life, you know. And um, See, it was like you went from avoiding something and then you were like, God, I just, somebody write that check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? And I, like I said, I never started a fight, but boy, I sure wanted them to start one. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're like, this is eight years of training now. Is that got to account for something? Yeah. Well, I remember when I first started martial arts, I was I was just so afraid of any confrontation. But now it's not like it's not like I seek it. It's just like I'm I'm more aware that it could happen. Like if you're walking in a sketchy part of town, it's like you're aware something can happen. But I at least feel comfortable knowing that I could take care of myself better than I did ten years ago when I first started. Well, I think it, the the main thing that martial arts one of the main things that martial arts does for you is it amplifies you know, your perception, mm. you know, and, and you're just really aware of your environment. Right. Um, you can read people more effectively by their body language mm -hmm. because that's part of it. Right. You have to. Yeah, totally. You know, when you're touching hands with somebody on the mat, you can tell if they're going to be aggressive or not yeah. immediately by yeah. their energy. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's weird. Like when I grapple, I could feel somebody's energy way more than when I'm doing stand-up with them. Mm -hmm. Stand-up, it's like I'm observing their energy from afar. It sounds kind of like, kind of psychic woo-woo. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm, I can see their energy from afar. But when I'm grappling, I'm like, I can like, I can feel like, I can feel when they're angry. I can feel when they're upset about something way more than I can when it's, there's distance between us. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a little bit detached. Yeah. And the, of course, the goal is different. Yeah. You know, the goal is to not engage. Right. Um, or stay engaged, whereas grappling the goal is to to control the engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that's a big thing, uh, big difference. Um, I love all the martial arts, um, and I've been I've been blessed, but I did seek out the people that I wanted to train with. Um, is that how you found uh, uh, Dan Asano? I did you seek you. I sought him out. Yes. Really? Um, I well, saw him you in like the want to, Oh, in the well, I wanted to train with Bruce Lee. Oh. And I was down and uh, I went to Long Beach. I tried to find Bruce Lee. I feel like you and everybody else wanted to train with Bruce Lee. <laughs> well, not like, at that right? point in time. Shit. Not at that point in time. Oh. He was um, kind of uh, unliked in oh. the martial arts world. Really? Why? Oh, yeah, because he was a young, you know, upstart. 
and uh, you know he wasn't the traditional mm. martial artist. And back then, air yeah, quotes. back then, not that many people taught um, non-Chinese. Mm. You know, so I went down to I went down to Los Angeles and I trained with this guy Ark Wong. Did you move to Los Angeles for that reason, or you were already living? There? I lived in Los Angeles and then we moved up north about uh, two mile, uh, uh, two hours up north. And then we moved another hour up north after that. And my parents just sort of slowly moved up the coast. Oh, now they okay. live, live even farther up. But um, yeah, I, I went and trained with this guy, Ark Wong, who was a traditional Kung Fu guy. And later on, he was actually in the, move, in the, the TV show and the movie Kung Fu. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the guy in the beginning throwing the stars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, old, the, the old bald monk. Um, Great guy, uh, you know he's a good teacher, good sifu, um, really good herb man. Uh, made great uh, bruise medicine and that kind of stuff, and I learned some things from him. Um, but I didn't train very much with him because I, really I liked the contact. So then I met another guy who um, introduced me to Dan Insano, ah. and his name was Bill Burke, and he was a Shotokan black belt. Uh, he was U.S. collegiate champion in the, in the JKA, which is the Japanese Karate Association. He trained under Nishiyama, who was a very famous uh, black belt in, uh, in Shotokan Karate. And he was also a professional boxer. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of an edgy guy. And I knew who he was, and I just sort of stayed out of his way. And then uh, it was funny how we met. Uh, one day I was in the uh, YMCA working out in the judo room. And I was kicking the bag, and I was like doing all the stuff. And these people came in, and I kind of kept doing my thing. And I looked at them, and I go, uh, "Do you guys have a class or something?" And they're like, "Not in a while." And I go, "Okay." So I kept doing my thing, you know. And um, and this guy comes in, and he's like really, you know, like intense. And I'll never forget this. He had a very sharply trimmed beard, and he was a big guy, and he's glaring at me. And I turned around. And I said, I shouldn't be here. I thought, you know, to myself, I shouldn't be here. So I left. He followed me out the door and he put me right up against the wall. Whoa. He said, what are you, what are you trying to prove? Oh, and what, and what were you, you were just hitting the bag? I was, well, I was hitting the bag and I was doing yeah. form and I was like right. jumping and like, I was incredibly gymnastic and, and not bad back then. You know, mm -hmm. I'd already trained for, uh, at that point for uh, five or six years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said, no, I wasn't trying to do anything you know, like I thought he misinterpreted me. Yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> and he said, "Well, I don't like people that show off." Okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry if I, you know. What do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you? You know, I, I apologize. You know, and um, and I laughed, and then uh, about well, it was a little bit longer, maybe six months. I saw this ad that was a flyer because people didn't do ads back then they did flyers and I think it was either in a bookstore or on a, a telephone pole or something and it said Southeast Asian martial arts and I'm like whoa really Southeast Asian martial arts and that was because was this at the point where everybody was doing Chinese Kung Fu still um no not very many people knew about Chinese Kung Fu at uh, that okay. point. it was still pretty yeah. minor okay um Kempo was big uh, Ed Parker's Kempo, uh, karate, different types of karate, Aikido, mm -hmm. and Judo. So, and you didn't hear anything about jiu-jitsu at all. Yeah. And so, um, I remember uh, 
going to this place and I still have the somewhere I think I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook one day too and I have it in my phone uh, um, it talked about you know the Southeast Asian martial arts and they were having classes there and it was like at a dance studio or something so I went there <laughs> you know and I thought man I've never even heard of that stuff I'm gonna go check it out and I went there and that was there was that guy oh the Bill Burke, yeah, yeah, the the the, the Shokan black belt, you know, teacher. Yeah. And he kind of looked at me, you know, like, do I know you from somewhere, you know? And, and Were you, like, shitting your pants all the time? You're like, not I really, I, because I never really confronted him, and, or yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being um, disrespectful or anything. Yeah, so right. I didn't feel like I, I did anything wrong. Um, and he started bring these sticks out and start doing the stick stuff. You know, and I'm like, whoa, what is this night? He goes, Filipino martial arts. And I go, Filipino? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know they had martial arts in the Philippines. Yeah. He goes, not very many people know about it because they don't teach anybody other than Filipinos. Interesting. Yeah, and he went on a journey to work with all these people. He worked in the Dorobio system with uh, Grandmaster Padoy in Serrata with Angel Cabalas, Grandmaster Angel Cabalas. And... A few other people, and Dana Nasano was one of the people that he hooked up with. Ah. And he was in Los Angeles. And so I started training with Bill and, uh, and learning all these things about uh, Eskrima. And he took me to the Nasano Academy, and I, I filled out an application that I wanted to train. I met uh, Richard Bastillo and Dana Nasano. We watched their class, and I, and I said, I want to come here to train. Well, were them. you a chef at the time? Yes. Making a living? So yes. you're cooking at night, yeah, I was making, trying to do martial arts. and Exactly. You know. I, I didn't start teaching martial arts until I moved out here. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was, didn't mean to derail you. I that's was just, okay. I was curious. I was, I was a chef, yeah, and uh, I was just working my, my butt off in the kitchen, so, yeah. you know, and, um, which was great because it actually taught me how to use knives very effectively. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, so here you are with uh, the sticks and knife training and then... You're cooking at night with giant knives. Exactly, and I, I became a butcher. I was also a butcher in a, oh, in a, in a big steakhouse, and so I cut tons of uh, of meat. And I mean, I really know how to use a knife. Yeah, right. You know, I'm not just some guy. Who, if you see these guys that teach like knife fighting or knife defense and that stuff, that's the only time they pick up a knife. Yeah. For me, a knife is like a tool, like yeah. an instrument. I I totally understand it. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of interesting, you know, that I. Uh, I hooked into him, and then I started boxing with him, yeah. and that's how I got. He was my boxing coach, my first real boxing coach. Yeah, other than and, Grandpa. Yeah, other than Grandpa, and uh, he took me down to the uh, Los Angeles gym. It was called the Main Street Gym, and it was on Central Avenue, Main Street, uh, in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, which is a very bad area. Back then, it was a bad area. Yeah, I don't know what it's like now, but it's not far from South Central. Yeah, you know, South Central. LA. Yeah, and it's down by the Central Market. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I remember I never when I went in there. It was just there were a lot of very scary people in there. Yeah, in that boxing <laughs> gym, and it was yeah. on like a third story of a um, of a warehouse. And I remember going up the stairs. Uh, not the first time, but one of the times I was going up there, and there was like a heroin kit sitting there. Holy cow! Yeah, on the stairs, and I was like, "Oh my!" God. And that back then, that was weird, man. You yeah. didn't, you know, you didn't see that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god!" 
you know. And There's like, a diabetic around here. Yeah. <laughs> but I go upstairs and I, I do my bot. You know, you walk in, the, the bell was going off, you do your training. I got my ass handed to me so many times up there. It was such a hard workout. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just because of the level of people that I were there? I never saw anything. So, you know, when he first told me, he goes, she go to the boxing gym with me. And I go, why would I want to do that? You know, it seems like I'm going backwards. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, boxing's a, you'll, you'll like boxing. There's a lot of contact. Mm-hmm. And I go, really? Okay, you know, I'll try it. You know, because I always liked the contact. That's where I used to get in trouble in the, in the Kung Fu school was I, I like to hit hard. Mm-hmm. My first tournament, I, I broke the guy's nose. It's and like, it seems like that would goes hand in hand with martial arts. Not that you're like, it's supposed to be... Right, but that was in sparring, and you were supposed to use control. And, oh, and okay, back then, yeah. all they had, they didn't have the, the gloves. They just had, like, these hand pads. Oh, yeah. And um, There's leather and, yeah. like, cotton. We didn't even wear a mouth guard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, Sifu, you're, the, you're, like, the new guy that comes in and just starts knocking people out. And you're I, like, Jesus, this guy over here. <laughs> I, I, so I, I remember uh, splattering this guy's nose, and, and I was like, oh, no. I step back and the guy goes, winner! And I'm like, oh, awesome, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you know, back then, things were a lot different. Uh, so I started boxing and that was pretty cool and I enjoyed that a lot. And then I had a few amateur fights and, um, you know... All kinda, under that same guy? Yeah, and I, we had another coach there, Patty Millen. Um, and then I trained with another coach... Um, was not really that good. Uh, he taught me a lot of bad habits. And so I've had five boxing coaches in my life. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I li- cool, always like I feel like you could take like the best from each of those five people. Well, that's what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. And I've tossed a lot of stuff away. And But I always gravitated towards the contact um, because it seemed more real to me. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than touch and yeah. all this stuff, you know. And that's why I didn't like uh, some of the martial arts that I tried. They just seem so fake to me, right? You know, and um, I always like the the hard contact or, or good contact. Yeah. And um, I remember my one friend saying, "You should come and um, and and do the full contact karate with us." And I'm like, "Full contact karate? That That's sounds a thing. awesome." Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, bring your boxing gloves." And I'm like, "Boxing gloves? I'm in, man." Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we we wore we wore tank tops like. You know the the white tank tops, long pants, yeah. and boxing gloves. Wow! And you know you. And then the guy, he said you can't hit below the waist. That's weird. That was kickboxing. Yeah. But it wasn't called kickboxing at that point. It was, it was just called, called full contact karate. So no, like, you couldn't throw any kicks to the legs. No, that's so. But you can yeah. kick to the face. You can kick somebody. Yeah, in the you can dome. kick somebody in the face. That makes no sense. I feel like it would be the neck down. I know. That's I so know. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a whole stigma about that, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that as Muay Thai, as I introduced Muay Thai to to uh, Central New York, because there was nothing like that around here. Yeah. Um. And uh, but you know, I started doing that. I started doing the the full contact karate. You know, which which I loved. And I had pretty good kicks, and I always had heavy hands, mm-hmm. and I could take a punch, which is, by the way, not a great attribute to have. <laughs> yeah, because, because then you, you just will, start absorbing all. I that. exchanged with people, right? And uh, in most of my boxing fights, I was just tougher. Yeah, you know, I wasn't better than those guys. I was in better shape most of the time. You were just able to bite your mouthpiece, and I was able to hit 
and exchange with them, you know, and, and it, it's not a good attribute. I, uh, later on in my life, I was like, man, why the hell did I do that? That was dumb. In the moment that you were getting clobbered, were yeah. you just like, you son of a bitch, and you're no, like, no, back harder? No, I was like, Puh, that's it? Really? Oh, yeah. It, it, I'm going to, in total transparency, that last, the last fight that I did, the, what was it, was Muay Thai, or, no, it was kickboxing. When he hit me with a cross over the top, he smacked me in the cheek, and I went, holy fuck, I don't want to get hit again. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I, that was not my or, mentality. It was well, not, that was I'm going to get <laughs> That was the guy that was 6'1", and, yeah. and came in like 45. Yeah, 146. Seven, yeah. Yeah, 147. And, and he told me he lost 15 pounds for that fight, and he already had... 13 pounds on you. <laughs> he, was, he was, so when or Mike, seven, 17 pounds. Yeah, on. so when Mike yeah. and I went to the weigh-ins, he got on the scale right before me, but I didn't know that was going to be my opponent. He just got on the scale, and then he went, ah, oh, damn it. And I go, I said to Mike, I turned, and I go, sounds like he didn't make weight, huh? And then I go up next, I weigh on the scale, and then uh, I got pulled aside, and they go, Hey, your fighter just—he's—he's he's not showing up, so we—we we got somebody else for you. But it'll be catch weight, so it'll be like one thirty-eight, like one thirty-nine. And I go, okay, all right, so yeah, whatever, that's fine. And then when he announced, he got announced to come out to the cage. He was like one forty-seven. I'm like, oh shit, I got pulled over. Somebody did the one over on me. Well, I remember <laughs> asking you too. I go, we got a guy for you, but he's—he's he's heavy. Yeah. Do you still want to go? And you're yeah. like, I came here to fight Seafall. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. But make think sure about you, Make sure you listen to yeah. me. And make sure you chop the leg. Yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And that's, well, and I remember thinking, like, at the gym, I'm the smallest guy anyway, so what's it matter? I'm like, I'm sparring with Chris, who's like 220. Yeah. I'm like, so what is, what is the difference going to be in that? But when he smacked me with that cross overhand, I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. It's, it's funny that that's how the... Well, you're like you're looking for more, and I'm like, oh no, I'm good, dude. I'm just gonna I'm gonna kick your legs from far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here was the deal. Like I told you, he's gonna try to foot jab you because he's he's tall, so he's gonna try to keep you away from him. He's gonna try to foot jab you and hit you on the end of the punch. So you got to make sure don't go in straight. Right. I want you to come in. I want you to cut the line. I want you to cut the leg. Mm -hmm. You know, that first yeah. round was when I lo I lost because I just oh, yeah, you foot, got, jab, you were foot jab, foot jab, foot jab. Beat out of you, yeah. you know, and I'm like, yep. what is he doing? He's doing yeah. exactly what I told him not to. I do. threw three <laughs> kicks in the first round, and he didn't shield any of them. And then when I got back to the corner. You were like, "Dude, did you notice you landed three leg kicks, not a single shield?" And he winced every time you hit him. Yeah. And I was like, it was like a light bulb went off, and I don't know why at that moment I was like, "Oh yeah, why am I not leg kicking anymore?" And then that's when everything just kind of picked up steam. Yeah. But it's funny how that works. Yeah, it is funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, he, going he back. So he didn't want anything of it. And by no. the time, he couldn't even walk after that fight. Yeah, right. right. He was but anyway, going. we'll go back uh, going yeah, yeah. back to, she, uh, let's see, where are we now? We're in 1970. <laughs> uh, Playing the seven. 1977. Yeah, 1977. So, um at that point, I started getting more involved in, in, in working the sticks and, uh, and working with, with Bill Burke. And um, then he was kind of a sketchy guy, and he, like, up and left. But he did introduce me to a few people. He introduced me to uh, Angel Cabalas. He introduced me to uh, Bong Su Han, who was a Hapkido master. 
He was the stunt guy for Billy Jack and all the Billy Jack movies. Yeah. And I got to train with all these guys. He introduced me to Gene LaBelle. Judo Gene, Gene LaBelle. Yeah, I've heard Gene LaBelle before. And Gene LaBelle's a really interesting guy. Um, his mother owned the L.A. Coliseum. Whoa. And they were always involved in boxing and professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he was a professional wrestler as well. Oh, I didn't know that. As well as a judo black belt. Oh, he is the baddest man on the planet. Are you kidding me? Oh, I didn't know that. And I took a private class from him. He goes, throw, throw your best. He goes, what's your best technique? And I go, well, at that point, I was I had a pretty decent Spinning, I would, a pretty I'd be decent spinning and a pretty decent sidekick. If somebody asked me that, I'd be so thrown off. I'd be like, I, I don't know what my. Oh, I knew. <laughs> You're like I knew spinning exactly, back kick. I knew exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. And I went to do a spinning back kick on him and hit him in the body, and uh, he like tackled my ankle. It took me down and like tied me in a knot. <laughs> That's funny. And I was like, Oh my god, he's going to break my legs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. Tap, tap, tap. tap. Yeah. And he was a big guy compared to me, um, but that was my first introduction to him, and that was awesome. And and Bill and I paid for a private class, and we went, you know, went up to his uh, his place. And then he introduced me to Dan Inasano, and he introduced me to who uh, Master Chai was, mm-hmm. because he used to train with Master Chai, Bill uh, Burke. Oh, interesting. Yes, which goes even deeper. Into the in, into the uh, vortex. Um, <laughs> into the vortex. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so uh, I don't see Bill Burke. He took off, and I haven't seen him for a long time. And I'm doing my own thing, you know. And um, and I that's when I started my restaurant in Santa Barbara, and we were doing pretty well. And then what was the name of the restaurant? It was called the Lahaina Inn, and it was a barbecue house, and it had like kind of a a beach flair to it. Mm-hmm. Lahaina, Hawaii, you know, so we had like uh, barbecue ribs and, and papaya chicken and teriyaki oh, nice. chicken, like really good stuff, you know, and yeah. it was all real clean fusion food, um, nice salads with seafood and stuff, and we were doing really good, you know, and then unfortunately we lost our lease and uh, we couldn't recover because yeah. we were a new business. Um, just to give you an example, um, back at that point in time, uh, in Santa Barbara to, to um, buy a liquor license was $186,000. Whoa, what? Yeah, but you owned it. And you couldn't pay cash. I mean, you couldn't pay uh, credit. It had to be cash. What? Yeah. So, but a beer and wine license were $500 a year. <laughs> so, so, you know what we had. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Right. But, um, uh, you know, I had a great time and I, it, it taught me a lot about how to cut my teeth in the in the business world. I was 23 years old when I opened that that restaurant. Really? With my partner, yeah. Jeez. And then when we, um, and this is an important point because when we um, uh, folded, I freaked out. And of course I went and um, we got to our attorney and we lost more money because there wasn't anything we could do. And they yeah. were a powerful uh, corporation. Um, so we, I didn't know what to do, and, and my partner says, hey, I'm going to move to New York and just, you know, shell all this stuff out and figure it out, you know, and um, uh, file bankruptcy. If you want to come, my family owns a farm out there. And I'm like, I got nothing here. Yeah. So we got in the car, we packed the car, sold everything we could. And you and, just up and moved in New York? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. And Jesus, moved to New York. Man. Yeah, because I was afraid my creditors were going to find me at that point. You know? ah, yeah, <laughs> I right, like, right. I was Good a kid, point. you know. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. Right. And, um, 
you know, and, and so I moved to, um, to central New York and uh, they had an 800 acre farm and I held up on the farm for a long time. We filed bankruptcy. I got all that stuff taken care of. And, um, but in the back of my mind, I still wanted to work for myself. Yeah. I just didn't like working for other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so having a pretty extensive background in the restaurant business at that point, uh, I was like, okay, um, you know, I'll just go out and get a job. So I started working in uh, Italian place. I remember I was making three twenty an hour. Yikes! Yeah, and um, I had to I had to hitchhike and walk to work. Wow! Because I didn't have a car, I didn't have a bike, and then yeah. then I finally got a bike. But it was like quite a ways to go, you know. So then I finally got enough money and, and got a car, and then I ended up working at another place. Uh, and within a few years, I was waiting tables. Um, that's where I met Bill Gebhardt and some of my other friends. And yeah. um, uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but uh, I kind of took Bill under my wing and started teaching him martial arts. And that's when I first started teaching martial arts in, in, in uh, central New York. Oh. And Bill was like a 16-year-old kid. And he was a dishwasher. And I was uh, waiting tables at the Holiday Inn at the time. Oh. Yeah, wow. I, 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 Holiday Inn in Cortland. Really? Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, so then I started tenant bar, and I ended up getting a job uh, managing a place, a steakhouse, and and that I started kind of bringing my myself back to um, you know health uh, financially and psychologically and and physically, and all the time I was still working on the farm, you know. Oh. So I'm getting pretty pretty big and buff, getting jacked, I'm, throwing around yeah, hay bales, and yeah, and I'm shooting deer and yeah. and, and turkeys and you know and. Uh, <clears throat> Then we put a house together, and you know, you know, so life was 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 starting to get back to normal or to where it should be. Um, and then I started looking around, and I'm like, well, I still want to train. You know, I need to train with somebody. And at that point, I was about, I was not quite 30 years old, so I was probably like about 28 or 29 years old, and um, I. I told my wife at the time I go listen I've gotta I've gotta train so I'm either gonna leave and move somewhere so I can train with Inosanto Dan Inosanto because that's who I want to train with mm-hmm. um, and I still had the back of my mind about Bruce Lee but he had passed away and everything so the next person was Dan Inosanto yeah and um, I can either fly out there I can drive to places where he's teaching I can do camps or I can just leave you know and uh, but I got to get out of here. And I wasn't. We weren't married at the time. We actually, we were, we were just um, cohabitating. And I started doing it. So I would drive to Pittsburgh, or to or to Ohio, or to New York City, and train with Dan and Asana. Uh, anytime there was something that yes. Yeah. So I would work as a chef all week, and I had Sunday off. So Saturday night I close up shop. I had Sunday and Monday off. So I'd close up shop, and um, I'd get in my car, and I'd drive to Ohio. Wow. You know, or Pittsburgh. Right there, right after you yeah. close the store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd get there at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning or something. Oh, you shit. know, something crazy. And then I'd go to sleep in my car, and I'd wake up, and then I'd go to the seminar. Yeah. And then I'd get back in my car, and I'd drive home. And that was how I I started training with, with uh, Dan Asano. And then I found out that he knew... He was had this 
big camp he was going to do down in um, North Carolina, in Brasstown, North Carolina, which was um, in the Smokies. It was called the Great Smoky Mountain Camp. And I'm like, I got I want to go to this. You know, I'm going to drive down there and I'm going to go to this. Yeah. And uh, he had um, several people there, which later became very influential in my um, uh, my martial arts evolution. And that's where I met Ajahn Chai. Was that that camp? Yes. Oh. Francis Fong, Larry Hartzell, Tim Tackett, and a host of other crazy like, people. Those are like all your coaches to this day. Yeah. And I also met Greg Nelson, who was a young kid, um, Eric Paulson, uh, Rick Fay, and a bunch of other like wild and crazy people, you yeah. know. And uh, I went to that camp uh, for three years, and then I was thinking to myself, you know, this this is run so rustically, like so crudely. I could do better than this. Because I'd already managed a restaurant. Well, I'd, right. I'd owned a restaurant. I'd managed two restaurants. Um, I, was, uh, I laid restaurants out, you know. Um, I was a kitchen manager for places. So I was pretty organized and I, in the hospitality field. And I go, I could do better than this. And my hand's tied my, in my back, you know. Yeah. So I decided to do this camp in New York, which we called the Northeastern Martial Arts Conference. Oh. And so it gives the it gives like a sense that it's a all different martial arts teaching. Exactly. It's not just one. Exactly. And so at that point, I already established my, established myself as an instructor under Dan and Asano. So uh, that was uh, 1984. I started training with him. So I was, had to be about 87, 88, something like that. Um, I, I was an instructor under him, an apprentice instructor. Um, and I met Ajahn Chai for the first time. And when I met Ajahn Chai, I thought I was a badass. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I've boxed, I'm a martial artist, I'm full on, you know, I, I can, I can, you know, buck hay, I can drop a heifer, you know. I don't even know what drop a heifer means. <laughs> well, I can turn a heifer's head and, and, and drop him on the, on the ground <laughs> for me too, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I can do just about anything, you know. And I thought I was a badass. And I went out there, and I threw up. <laughs> the first, the yeah. very first time. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember him. He had us, he, he had us do a... Um, we had trained all day, and then we trained in this field. And he'd make us run, and it was like 90 degrees out. And then lay in the creek. Yeah. And then run some more, and then do all these pad work. And that's how I, I ended up... Um, you know, yeah, tossing my cookies was, yeah. you know, heat exhaustion and what have you. And we, I remember during the, I'll never forget this. He had us do a foot jab, five left kicks, ten skip knees, five round kicks. Nice. And that, and he, and we, he goes, okay, we're going to do 20, 20 repetitions. Dang. And if you were slow, you didn't get a rest. Ah, uh, because you went right away. And if you were fast, you got to rest until the slow guy was done. I, w- I want to do this in class now. <laughs> you know what? It was effective. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I remember going over, they had a boxing ring, which i that's where I tested for my my instructor level. And Just um, built up outside? Yeah, it was right outside in the hot sun. Hell yeah. Yeah, and um, 
Uh, I have a picture of me doing the Ram Moy and Ajahn Chai and Guru Dan are sitting there watching me. Oh, that's wild. And um, I'm doing it with Bob Carver, who is the president of Thai Boxing Association yep. of Canada. Yeah. Well, that was my first fight was against this guy. Oh, against Bob. Uh, War Warwick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War Warwick yeah. Fluke, yeah. Yeah, his coach was Bob Carver. He <laughs> yeah. seems like a nice guy. I've only met him like once. Bob's twice. a great guy. Bob's a great guy. And, and I always kind of refer to him as like, the Clark Kent because he'd have these glasses on and he'd look very unassuming and then he'd take them off and he'd look and like a badass he'd look like Superman <laughs> and this guy could kick so hard yeah and uh, I've had a great relationship with all those guys for years you know and um, but that's where I uh, that's where I met him and we had to do our our Ramoy in a plane hangar where everybody was training and there was like gravel and, and you know stones and yeah. and it was on like cement knees. yeah and we couldn't use I wanted to use a pad and he goes no sir you can use a pad oh you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. we're doing the wrong boy <laughs> yes sir, sir well when he first called me over he goes I want to talk to you this is a couple of years after going to the camp he goes I want to talk to you after the class and I'm like oh I did something wrong you know and, yeah. uh, and there was about uh, I think nine or ten of us and he goes I want to test you guys for the instructor, for the beginning level, and I'm like, I don't, man, I don't know this stuff. Are you kidding me? Right. I'm not. I can't test for instructor. And I, I told him, I go, Master Chai. We call him Master Chai back then. I go, Master Chai. I don't know the requirements. And he goes, Don't worry, I teach you. <laughs> <laughs> we so he taught us. Thing. He taught us the Ramoy, and we tested that day. That day. Yeah. And I'd never had anybody hold pads for me like that. Only time I had someone hold pads for me was Ajahn Chai, was Master Chai. And he'd just kick us in the leg and, mm -hmm. and play with us. Yeah. You know, but it was never really like, like I didn't feel like I was going to get knocked out or anything. Yeah. Now, a couple of the guys did. Right. You know, they got beat up pretty good, but they were more advanced than me. Um, but he'd smash us in the leg. He'd pop us in the leg. And uh, I remember Don Guerin was there at that time. Uh, Greg Nelson, Terry uh, Gibson, um, Rob Kelly, you know, a bunch of these guys are now are like, well, we lost Terry to cancer, but, um, um, and nearly Greg Nelson. Nearly. Oh, I didn't yes. know Greg Nelson. Oh, too. Greg Nelson is in the one percentile of lymphoma survivors. Jesus. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Amazing individual, amazing man, tremendous warrior, tremendous mentor. Um, he's the person that held the pads for me for my test. That's badass. And uh, I remember Ajahn Chai saying, you should ask Greg Nelson why he want to knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> and I go up to Greg and I go, John Greg, this is many, many, many years later, you know, like 30 years later. And I go, Ajahn Greg, Ajahn Chai says, I should ask you why you want to knock me out. And he kind of looks off in the distance and he goes, I want to knock everybody out. <laughs> That's but funny. I think he told me to knock you out. That's so funny. And once again, my freaking hard head got me through another scuffle um, because I got I got kicked hard. Oh really? I am. Yeah, right in the jaw, and I fell down. And the Jun Chai goes, "Okay, that's," and I got back up. I popped back up, and I foot jabbed. Him. <laughs> uh, and and I was like, no, I'm not done. No, yeah. no. Yeah, Bobby Gambetta, who is my top student and has been training with me the longest of anybody, um, over a thirty-something years now. 
Um, yeah, I love that guy. And he's an Ajahn level also, and a full instructor under Dan and Asanto. Uh, and Bobby was there watching the whole thing. And he goes, Sifu, they didn't even have a timer. They <laughs> yeah. just, you just went for like nine or ten ra- minutes, yeah, right. you know, for one round. And then when Ajahn Chai, when Master Chai was happy, he said, okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and there were no pads or anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no time limit. Just go. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty funny. I remember I couldn't walk very well for a couple of weeks. And that was at that. the camp, right? That was at the camp. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah. It's something I'll never forget. It was a, definitely a golden memory. Um, uh, and I'm very blessed to have those people in my life and help them, and that they have guided me all, right. those, all those years, you know. And I've still, I still see Greg Nelson. I actually wanted to go down at the end of this month to the um, the camp in uh, State College, mm-hmm. run by Ryan Gruen. Yeah, and Ryan he usually brings was just a little people. kid who was training under Bill Gebhardt, and Bill was my student. Oh, see, that's that's the lineage. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Right. And Ryan was a little skateboard kid, and he would come and once in a while, and his his dad was Bill's best friend, mm-hmm. and. Um, so his dad ended up. Uh, that's Uncle Steve. Uncle Steve, yeah, yeah I remember him. Uncle Steve, yeah. And um, <laughs> what a good dude. And uh, those guys, <laughs> would, those guys, I would come down there and I would train them in the yard. Yeah. And then Bill started school, and then you know um, Ryan ended up started training with him, and uh, Ryan was in his in his youth program, and now Ryan has a huge school. Yeah. He's very accomplished. He's a, also at Ajahn level, and um, black belt in jiu-jitsu under Eric Paulson. And uh, he runs the Northeast Camp, the Eastern United States Camp for the WTBA. And I wanted to go down there and see Ajahn Chai. And yeah. It, it's actually uh, next weekend it was supposed to be. Yeah, right. It was... Uh, yeah. And um, next weekend everything the weekend after. On. Might be the weekend after, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the April 3rd, right? Yeah, April Somewhere 3rd, in there. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I, I was really looking forward to seeing Ajahn and, and training and... Seeing, you know, Ajahn Greg. Um, we brought Ajahn Greg to uh, Tai Kai before. Yeah, that was uh, really that was one of my first seminars that I did. Really good. Was, uh, was with Greg Nelson. Yeah. I think everybody, like, coaches resonate differently with people, right? It's like mm-hmm. some, you might not vibe well with a, co- almost like personality wise. And Greg, when he came here, I've, like, everything he was saying just clicked. I loved. I loved how engaging his classes were. Very and, personable guy. Yeah, very personable. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't I don't know what it is about Greg. Just like the second that he started teaching, I was like I was locked in. I was honed in on whatever he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I we did that uh, seminar with uh, Ryan Buck. He was my partner when he was. Oh, wow. Ryan Buck was fourteen years old, I think, or fifteen years old. And he was taller than me, but weighed as much as me. He was just like a twig. Well, well, Greg has got a tremendous school out in um, Minnesota, in, in right? Minnesota, and um, in fact, when um, I was a coach in the UFC, and uh, I was coaching Tanner McCrory, um, we went to Minnesota, to Minneapolis, and um, we used Greg's school yeah. to, to train, you know, on the off time. Right. And... Um, yeah, and uh, he has a huge school. It's like ten thousand square feet. Yeah, that's so uh, cool. I remember training in the boxing ring and stuff. And so Greg's a very, you know, he's just a very generous guy. And yeah, a tremendous martial artist. Very, very good. Right. Um, but I got to meet all these guys down there anyway at uh, at this um, Smoky Mountain camp. And then I I ended up doing the camp in New York. We did it at Aurora at Wells College, 
And I did that for seven years. Oh, wow. And I brought in Dan Inasano, uh, Francis Fong, Ajahn Chai, and Larry Hartzell. And then um, later, uh, Eric Paulson. Mm. And we had people from all over the world come in there. And, and to this day, I still have people say, that was the best camp. Why don't you do another camp? Yeah. That was the best camp I ever went to. Um, of course, I lost money on it pretty much every year. You know, right. you're I, just mean, like I think even. the most money I ever made was two thousand dollars. You know, yeah, right. And um, we rented the college for uh, five days in the dorms, and they set up the food and everything. Whoa, you know, and that people cool. stayed right there. That is sweet, right on the college. A, oh, it's beautiful. It's Wells College is right on the coast line of uh, Cayuga Lake. You know, nice. north of Ithaca, beautiful place. And um, and then the last year I had it at my school. Um, and I just, I was going through some changes at that point and I just decided that this was too much of an undertaking for me. So, um, I, I continued to have other seminars and bring people to central New York. I brought Dan and Asano in, uh, 30 times to central New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's always he's a twice. good seminar too. Oh, absolutely. The, I, think the, I think we had 80 people for it. Yeah. And he was doing it. The one that I went to, he split it. Like one day was Ty and the other was uh, JKD. Yeah. Or it was like half day. Or he'll do. Sometimes I'll ask him, "Can you do? Um, can you do the uh, um, Indonesian martial arts mm. or Southeast Asian martial arts um, without weapons? And then can you do also do a separate area with weapons?" Yeah, I think one of them. Yeah. One of the days was like that. Yeah. That was another one. You know what? I think I was partnered with uh, Zach on that one, the mailman. For that, oh yeah, it was a good seminar. It's 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 just cool to like be around those kind of people who have like the grizzled history of martial arts where they've put in so many so many years and yeah. well, Guru, Guru Dan is eighty four years old. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah. and he and, moves and he still moves like he's like no joke fifty. It sounds like crazy to say, but he's like. He moves and he talks and moves his, better than me. Yeah, right. Right. When he's eighty, like I'm trying to picture the people I know that are eighty are not functional. Yeah. Like they're bound to a wheelchair or need assistance throughout the day. Yeah. So it's good to see see something like that. Well he has a rich history as well. Um, but I want to go back to the, the Smoky Mountain camp because there's an interesting story about when I first talked to Ajahn Chai. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think you're you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, so I Wanted to train with a, with Master Chai, and I had my first day of training. It was really hard, and I saw him standing up by this airplane because it was, these people had an airplane hangar and airplanes, and they were like they lived out in the country. The people that put the, the Smoky Mountain camp on, and I see him up there, and he's he just got his tie shorts on, and he's up there just walking around. And I walk up there, and I this is after the we just got done busting our ass. And uh, I go, uh, Master Chai, and he, and he goes, who wants to know? <laughs> and he looked at me, and I felt frightened for one of the first times <laughs> in my adult life. Really? I looked, it was like I was looking in the eyes of a, like a big cat. Yeah. <laughs> that was about ready to just eat me. Yeah. You know, and he just looked right through my soul. Mm-hmm. And he's got that gaze. Oh my gosh. And he has a thing that's really, you don't, if he's agitated, this is very unusual. His eyes will flutter. Uh, like they'll wiggle back and forth. Yeah. And I asked a friend of mine about that who was a neurologist, and he goes, Oh yeah, he goes, That's very rare. 
it's usually an, uh, when a person's agitated. Oh, wow. I'm like, man, he's <laughs> agitated with me. But yeah. anyway, he yeah. says, who wants to know? And I said, my name's Kevin Seaman. Um, I'm a student of Bill Burke's. <clears throat> and he looks at me and he goes, really? I knocked him out. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> and I kind of looked off a little bit and I go, I got a smile on my face and I go, thank you, sir. He broke my nose. <laughs> and that's he laughed so and he goes, okay, so you want to learn to die boxing. Okay, yeah, you know. Right. And that's a true story. Bill didn't, he did break my nose yeah. when, when we were boxing. That's funny. Yeah, it was the first Good time. Good response. My, the first time my nose got broken and it was smashed flat. Ugh. And I I actually set it myself in the bathroom. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah, it was, it doesn't look too bad right now, but it's flatter than yeah, <laughs> it was even more right, right? Yeah, but um, uh, I've had my nose broken five times now. Five times? Yeah. I've never broke my nose, knock on wood. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. But I, I, I think the only time I've Maybe pissed off... Maybe we need to spar more. Yeah, right? I know, seriously, right? <laughs> the only time I think I've seen uh, Ajahn Chai upset, and it wasn't even that upset. I think he was just doing the thing where he, like, kind of tests you a little bit. Like, remember oh, when yeah, I tested and mental. I... Well, when I couldn't, the spinning back elbow, because we were doing it where you would you would right. hit, and then you'd go back around and reset. Right. And then he'd go, so do the spinning back elbow. And I'm like, yeah, I just did. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, I'll do it again. Did it again. He goes, so who's your teacher? And I looked at you, and I went, I'm so sorry. Uh, 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 Ajahn uh, Kevin Seaman. So you need to teach him how to do the spinning back elbow. Can I see you do it again? Yeah. And I did it again, and then he just put his head in his hands, and he goes, so that's not how you do the spinning back elbow. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I look at you, and you're like, all the way through. Yeah. Spin all the way through. Yeah. And I remember I was so nervous, but he wasn't agitated. Like, he was going to knock me out. It was just like, I think he was just doing it to put the pressure on you to see how was. you react. He was, put, he was putting you in the pressure cooker. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. He wasn't putting me in the pressure cooker. <laughs> no, no. Dude, I've already been in the pressure <laughs> yeah, right. cooker so yeah. many times with him. You're like, I was born in that pressure <laughs> Are you cooker. Kidding me? He almost knocked my tooth out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, He's, no. He smacked me. I remember one time, I hadn't seen him for a while, and uh, I went down to Francis Fong's uh, camp, and he held for everybody. And I had my boxing gloves on, I put my mouth guard in, and I come up. He goes, I need to check you guys, and I'm ready. And he goes, not now. <laughs> he, like, patted you, like, to, no, no. I don't need to hold for you now. And then he held for all everybody, and I'm sitting there getting cold, you know. And I'm, like, one of the oldest guys in the room anyway. I'm getting cold, you know, and I'm, like, trying to stay warm. And he goes, okay, anyway, I guess it's time for lunch. And I go, oh. And he goes, but I have one more. <laughs> and I knew it was me. Yeah. And I went out there. First thing he did, he's holding pads for me, boxing. First thing he did, he did the left switch kick. Opened me up, smashed me right down the middle with the with the pad. Jeez. And I ended up with a black eye and a and a, and a line from one side of my face to the other. Ugh. And uh of course, you know, like I did my very best, yeah. as I always did. And uh that night at dinner he said to me he came over, came over and he gave me a big hug. And he said, you know, sir, I'm sorry I had to snap you a little bit. But I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I was, so I had to slap you around. Classic Ajahn Chai. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I've been in the pressure cooker so many times that I've had him hold for me so many times. And anybody that 
doesn't feel pressure when they're holding for yeah. when he's holding for you, you're lying. Yeah, right. He's tough on everybody, and uh, but yeah, I remember him that that first time when I when I came up and introduced him, he looked through me, and I was like. I felt like when you lock eyes with a tiger in the zoo, yeah, and you're so thankful that that glass is there, <laughs> yeah, you know? right, right, because, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, what an amazing individual. But uh, out of all the like seminars you got to take, is uh, is there one person that like you're really happy you got a chance to train with? Well, uh, there's I can't say one person. There's several, but I will tell you that my very uh, favorite instructor. Who I once again is I've resonated with him more than anybody, and he helped me to really understand martial arts, and that's Daniel Masanto. Yeah, uh, he's he's my martial arts father. Yeah, you know, and and the other ones are very very close to me as well. Um, Francis Fong is an amazing individual. He's one of the fastest human beings I've ever trained with. Mm-hmm. Period or seen. Yeah, um, and his depth of knowledge is unfathomable. Right. And Ajahn Chai is just so inspiring. And one of the things that Ajahn Chai taught me was mental toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, through fruity. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> through fruition, I had to have mental toughness. Yeah. So he taught me, and I credit him with um, teaching me how to, uh, to you know, really um, focus on what I needed to do rather than thinking about my fears. Right. And he... Definitely was instrumental in me writing my three books. Yeah, and that was, we're already, so we're like over an hour and we haven't even talked about your whole writing a book. Maybe we should do another one. Yeah, we'll just have to do another one. I've written five books at this point and done um, dozens of of articles Mm -hmm. over the years. Yeah, the next one, I'd love to talk like what a process is to to write the book. What are are the names of your books? Um, My first book was uh, Seeking the Path of Jeet Kune Do. Uh, John Fong Kung Fu Seeking the Path of Jeet That's the one that's got the pictures of you shirtless with a sweet mustache on it and an afro. <laughs> well, that one I wrote in, uh, I used the uh, video series that was a Black Belt magazine video series way back. Um, and it was first, it was done in, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to say 95, mm-hmm. something like that. <clears throat> and it was back then it was on VHS, you know, and we did uh, two uh, video tape series um, with a, some, uh, a gentleman down in uh, New York City um, who has later on gotten into acting and everything. And, yeah. um, but uh, he was the engineer and the, the film director at that point for, for this. And we put it together and it turned out pretty well. Um, it's still, a lot of people still will look at it. That's cool. Um, I uploaded a bunch of them on my site, jkdmatrix.com. Mm-hmm. So you can go there and yeah, see you're something. a man of many hats. You got um, you're writing the books. You have that website, and then you have the other one you just launched too. Right, how to hack your own mind, mm-hmm. that program, um, and then I, the my second book was the Winning Mindset, who I wrote with Jim Bro, mm-hmm. and uh, my third book was uh, the Mind Game of MMA, and my fourth book was the Mind Game of Competition for uh, non martial artists for athletes. Uh, and then my fifth book was uh, John Fong Gong Fu, Seeking the Path of Jeet Kune Do 2. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I wrote it was Dan Inasano said to me one time, he goes, Kevin, your book is just as valuable as the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. That's like, cool. What? What a compliment. I just about 
drooled on myself. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I for sure would have shit my pants. That was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. And, and then later he told me, I'd really like it if you do a follow-up book. Oh, I nice. Said, so you're yes, like sir. done. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I wrote that book as my PhD thesis. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I for, didn't know that. Yeah. I'm a full instructor under, under Dan Asano. It takes 15 years as an instructor, oh, minimum, wow. before you're even qualified to become a full instructor. Oh, wow. Yeah. In, so, in what martial arts? In Jeet Kune Do. In Jeet Kune Do. Yeah. And um, wow, that's I'm also crazy. one in, in Filipino martial arts, but I had a background in Filipino martial arts. Yeah. You know, but... I've yeah. been training for 10 years, and I think five of them has been an instructor. Maybe maybe yeah. four. No, I think it's five, because around the time I met Brittany was around the time I yeah, tested an instructor. And then to think that I have to do 10 more years on top of that until you're even a full, that's crazy. Before you're even qualified. Yeah, before you even qualify. Yeah, right, right. That's so crazy. And then that's awesome. Had, that, yeah, and so... It really um, sets the bar high then for Then I've people. had that, you know, I've trained under Eric Paulson. I got my instructorship under him in uh, 2000. Um, and Francis Fong, I'm an instructor in Wing Chun under Francis Fong. And then, of course, I'm going for my black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. In jiu-jitsu. Yep. Uh, under uh, Ken Cronenberg and, and Balance. Yeah. Studios and Mega Reese Brothers, uh, which I'm, I love jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it's fun. And it's so much fun. The last, like, few years, I've really, like, gotten, fallen in, even in more in love with that, with yeah. that martial art. I'm pretty lucky, you know, to have the, these people in my life, you know. Especially as nice of a school as we have, too. Like, some people, like, that's the cool thing. When you go to travel, you realize, like, how fortunate you are. When you go to a school that you're, like, I'll never forget when uh, Brittany and I went to Pennsylvania. We went uh, to the Poconos, and there was a school that I found online that was doing jujitsu, and they were doing an open mat on uh, Saturday with a bunch of their people. So they let me come in, and... When I got there, I was like, "All right, I just I I need a place to change." They're like, "Yeah, it's it's this closet right here," <laughs> and you're like, "I'm like, but I, I'm dressing in the there's a mop in there too in the mop bucket." Oh yeah, that's our cleaning supplies. Don't don't put your stuff on it. Just change in there. And I was yeah. like, "Okay, all right." And then I realized, I'm like, "Man, how fortunate are we that that school even had half of the big the jujitsu room in Taikai?" So I was like, "Man, how fortunate are we right. that we could do that?" And also have the high level guys. Like they had maybe one brown belt in that yeah. building. So Thai guys got how many black belts, how many brown belts? Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah, they have like I think uh fourteen black belts now. Jesus, that's yeah. crazy. And I don't awesome. even know how many brown belts. Yeah, right. I'm I, I feel fortunate to to have my brown belt under them. Um it's been about I think twelve years now. Yeah. You know. Um but Here's the, the funny thing is you go to other schools and they got guys that are black belts and have only been training like eight or nine years. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. And so you go in there and you're hanging with them. Mm -hmm. And the funny you're thing like, you're about You're a purple? Me, what do you mean you're a purple? You, you're, <laughs> what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I do the same thing when I travel all over the place. In fact, all over the world, I go seek out different schools and I go to them. Yeah. You know, I'll go to one in Germany. I go to one in Italy. I'll go to different places, you know, and yeah. try to... Another one that does it a lot is Chris Roach, and he's got, like, a really cool oh, yeah. perspective on it. Like, oh, when, yeah. he, when I talk to him about traveling, he's got a very, like, interesting... Well, jiu-jitsu people are very, very generous like that. They mm -hmm. hardly ever charge you a mat fee. I'll call right. him up and say, oh, can I... I haven't had to pay once. Yeah. I've done it in California, Florida, like, all over the place, and they're always very, very yeah. generous, you know? Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, it's funny because my perspective is I'm 65 years old. Okay, I'll be 66 this year. 
Still doing jujitsu. I'll, I'll be collecting Social Security this year. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and I'm on Medicare. <laughs> you know, so I'm by far the oldest person in the school at Taikai. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, I think I, I think I do okay. Yeah, you hang I with think, them. I think I do okay. You You're know, tapping out people. I don't think people really realize how old I am. No. You know, they don't you treat, say 65. And I they don't, don't treat me any differently. Yeah. In fact, I think sometimes they go harder on me because they go, I can beat this old man. Mm-hmm. He's going to look at how his hair is so gray, I can beat him. Give me that, give me that AARP card. <laughs> if I can't beat this guy, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. funny. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's wonderful. We're both blessed to be able to do that. And, I, and it's great that I got to meet you there. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It, it was like it was a, like a very good time in my life because I remember when I was younger, I always wanted to do – like I did karate when I was like 10, and I loved it, but we couldn't afford it. So it was one of those things that my parents were like, if you want to do it, you kind of have to pay for it yourself. So mm-hmm. 2009 when I graduated was when I started working full-time and going to school full-time. So then I had extra cash, and I signed up right away. And I was doing Muay Thai because Mike and Eric told me that that's what they were doing. Yeah. And then from ever since then, it was kind of just it kind of just stuck. And it's nice because it was like at my at the time of my life, nobody really taught me like the importance of like setting goals and like and at the time I had literally zero self confidence. Where somebody would somebody would yell at me or there'd be some kind of conflict, I would immediately go into my shell and I'd run away from the problem. And it's like through your teachings the fact that i've learned how to set goals how to be like a better human being all while punching each other in the head it sounds so weird to say that but it's like it really is like that well here's the thing in the martial arts we enter through the physical door and as we do that from there we develop our emotional self and our emotional intelligence through relationship right okay then we have, as we're learning, we're taking on all this information, which is mind-boggling how much information there is just in jiu-jitsu alone, let alone some of the other Yeah, ones. right. So there we're cultivating our IQ. And lastly, we're cultivating our SQ or our spiritual development. And a lot of people go, oh, spiritual, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's about religion. and No, it isn't. It's about you. It's about your purpose. It's about your conscious. You know, it's about your consciousness. And it's about your ethical principle standards and your drive and your passion. Right. You know, and you develop that through your discipline. And that is the spiritual quotient. Yeah. And, and all four of those quadrants are so important. And martial arts is one of the few things that actually develops all four of those. Mm-hmm. And you actually are able to sharpen the saw every day by doing that. Right. Just by coming in and showing up. Even even when there's days that you don't want to. Absolutely. I never leave. Like, I'll go into the gym sometimes where I'm like, oh, I do not want to be here tonight. I want to go home and sit on the couch. Yeah. But the second that I leave, I'm like, man, you know, I feel great. I'm glad I didn't I that's didn't right. just sit my ass on the couch. That's right. You know? You'll never, that's, that's the discipline. And you've got a great work ethic. You, you're an unusual person in that realm. Oh, thanks. Um, but I'll tell you, I've never once said... I wish I hadn't gone to the gym. 100%. I've said I don't want to go to the gym. I'm tired. Yeah. I don't feel like it. But, At 65 years old. But I've never said <laughs> I wish I hadn't gone to the gym. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, me. thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.